0: you're listening to. I mean, can we discuss? And I am your host Astrid Ferguson. We will be discussing different issues that can be debated, articulated, chopped up any kind of way. There's no real set way to this. It could be culturally, it could be socially, it could just be how we're feeling today. So you're here for the randomness and I hope you're here to stay. So remember to subscribe, share and tell me what you think. So a quick word from our sponsor today, the solopreneur sidekick. So do you want to build a website, but you don't know where to start? Or you're tired of paying website designers for web pages that let's face it, just don't convert customers into plain clients. Well, if that is your problem, I have the solution for you, my friend. Yes. Click the link below in the show notes and start building your website that wows with the solopreneur sidekick on Squarespace. Yes, on Squarespace. Enter the giveaway by clicking the link in the show notes and start saving stress, money, and all that awful techie stuff. You can start with the solopreneur sidekick and start building not just any website, but a website that wows. Hey, 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 welcome to a new episode of I mean, can we discuss and I am your host Asher Ferguson. I know you guys missed me last week. Let me explain. I was tired. I had a lot going on. I'm in the middle of a quarterly calc at work and I was also in the process of redoing my site and relaunching it, which by the way, you guys, it is out. So go to asherferguson.com, go check out some of the new features. You can actually now book your free consultation call with me. If you guys want more tips on self-publishing, or I actually opened up another freebie, which you can get by going to asherferguson.com. If you go under my blog section, uh, you will see on the side now or towards the end if you're looking on your phone that you can actually request a freebie on blogging and you will get an infomercial on my top tips for blogging and you can actually schedule... A free consultation call from there as well if you want more mentorship on blogging. Podcasting also counts as blogging because you convert your podcast into a blog, see? No need to work harder, work smarter. So... If you guys want to do that, please head on over to AstroFerguson.com. You can book your free consultation call, and then you can have the option to actually work with me, actually hire me to work with me. So yeah, and there's some merch out there too, so get your merch on, you know? But anyway, let's get into today's episode. Which today I wanted to talk about the Enneagram in more detail and discuss how learning your number will help you understand about how you work and how to keep yourself motivated. Even identify some positive and some negative personality traits and that way you can make some small changes to help you be more productive and stay more motivated. So with that said, don't worry if you don't have a pen and paper ready right now. This is actually on my blog. So if you go to asherferguson.com forward slash blog and you click on the blog that says, hey, so what's your math? Okay, number. You will see all of this written in detail that I go in uh, describing the Enneagram and what it actually looks like. I will provide In the show notes, the link, I'll actually also uh, put in the link that you can actually take the test if you actually go to Enneagram and figure out what your number is. So if you don't even want to do all the thinking, you can pay, I believe it's like $12 and you can get the response, find out what your number is, find out what your wing number is. And that way you can kind of, you know, Uh, learn how to work with yourself and how to change certain things and identify why you do certain things the way that you do and how small changes can help you in the long run. So you're probably thinking to yourself, what is the Enneagram? The Enneagram is a powerful tool for personal and collective transformation. It's actually like a Greek diagram. It comes from way back in the day. And it's full and it's full of like nine distinct symbols. And each one of these symbols represents a number. And from this number, it's a personality type. So we'll start with type one, which is what I am, the perfectionist. They're ethical, dedicated, and reliable. They are motivated by a desire to live the right way improve the world and avoid fault and blame. Now, that is the good part of being the perfectionist. We are very detail-oriented people and we will take any system and make it better. The negative side of being a perfectionist, which is what I've noticed for myself, sometimes we get so caught up in the details that we get lost in the weeds and we never actually Take action, or we start to procrastinate because it doesn't look exactly like what we think it should look like in our heads. The other part of being a perfectionist, which you will notice, it's that uh, you are very hard on yourself. If things aren't perfect. Uh, taking imperfect action comes hard to you. I know that's something that I struggled with and I had to really identify, especially with doing things like staying on task, like the podcast or the blogging and things like that, because I would be like, it's not perfect. This isn't right. I didn't get my script right or I didn't get that heading right or this isn't the right time. And then I would find myself not taking action. So being a perfectionist sometimes can stifle your productivity. So keep that in mind if you are a type one. A type two, the helper. They're warm, caring, and giving. They are motivated by a need to be loved and needed and to avoid acknowledging their own needs. Helpers are wonderful people to have and they are usually the most empathetic. The problem with being the helper all the time is that you're always helping someone else and a lot of times you don't help yourself. So you give and you give and you give and you end up having an empty cup and nothing to give for yourself. So it is always really important to keep those things in mind. Helpers you can actually always find at like churches and community events and even things that involve children and families and things of that nature. A type three is the performer. They are success-oriented, image-conscious, and wired for productivity. They are motivated by a need to be or to appear to be successful and avoid failure. Type threes are the most common personality trait type that you will find in managers and CEOs and and founders and heads of companies. People like Bill Gates are probably a type three. Um, They are the type that they will continue and continue and continue to work on something until it is seen through. Uh, Type threes are wired for work. All they know and breathe is work. Which can also be a flaw because sometimes they don't know how to relax. And if you don't know how to relax, it can lead to burnout. It can lead to not having a balance um, at home. Uh, I know people will say there is no such thing as work-life balance, but that depends on what you, how you look at it, right? If you're measuring it by hours, then probably not. But if you switch how you look at that, that maybe one day you dedicate to your job, another day you dedicate entirely to your family and you're not as good at your job. Hey, whatever that work-life balance looks for you. A type four is the romantic. They're creative, sensitive, and moody. They are motivated by a need to gain knowledge, conserve energy, and avoid relying on others. Type four, we'd have to say that are probably the most creative ones on this chart. But on the other side of that is they're also very sensitive. They feel everything. Um, They don't always have a good explanation. They're more gut driven than probably anyone else. Then type five, the investigator. Uh, They are analytical, detached, and private. They are motivated by a need to gain knowledge, conserve energy, and avoid relying on others. Type five was my wing, believe it or not. Um, I I was actually, I wasn't surprised to see this because I am an analyst by trade. I spend a load of time peeling back layers and making sense of numbers and having to explain why things moved, what caused what. So it wasn't surprising to me that a type five came up as my wing. Um, And type fives are really good at finding solutions and answers. The problem with a type 5 is that sometimes what can get in your way is that you have a hard time just understanding that some things can't be explained. Some things are just the way they are. It's just a rule of life, like death, for example. Everybody will die someday, but you can't explain when or why that person will die of, let's say, of a disease or something of that sort. It's just the way things are. A type six, the loyalist. They are committed, practical, and witty. They are the worst case scenario thinkers who are motivated by fear and the need for security. Oh, the loyalist. You will always be practical and committed to your work. But on the flip side is you are always afraid to take risks. You always take the safe decisions This came up, I want to say, as my third option, and it is right on point because all of my life I took the safe decisions, like I work in corporate. I climbed my way up in corporate, and now here I am saying, oh, I want to be a writer. (laughs) This is probably the riskiest decision that I ever made in my career. So I completely understand. And if you're a loyalist, I hear you. A type seven, the enthusiast. They are fun. They're spontaneous and adventurous. They are motivated by a need to be happy, plan stimulating experiences, and avoid pain. Obviously, the enthusiast is probably the one that we all want to hang out with, right? They're the good vibes, energy all the time. They will think so highly of themselves, and they will always keep a smile on your face. But just like they are always fun and adventurous, that doesn't always mean that they're happy. Sometimes making decisions that are unplanned and at the spur of the moment can be very risky. And sometimes those risks can result in a lot of failures. So that is the negative side of being the enthusiast. A type eight. A type eight is the challenger, commanding, intense, and confrontational. They are motivated by a need to be strong and avoid feeling weak or vulnerable. Now, type eight and type threes are very close, but a type eight is more of uh those people like an activist. They are not afraid to bear all of the grueling work that will go with it because they believe that they are right. They believe that they are strong and that this is the right decision to make. Now type eights on the other side, they don't handle being wrong very well. So just like what makes them strong is also what makes them weak. So keep that in mind if you're a type eight, the challenger. Now, the last one on the grid is a type nine, which is the peacemaker. They are pleasant, they're diplomatic and accommodating. They are motivated by a need to keep the peace, merge with others, and avoid conflict. We all love a peacemaker, right? We all love those who are all kumbaya and let's keep the peace and let's not rattle any cages, right? But on the flip side, the peacemaker sometimes never resolve any issues. Sometimes they never get to the root of any problem because they they avoid confrontations instead of facing them head on. So now that we talked about the Enneagram and we talked about some of the personality types and we talked about what are some positive and some negative traits, let's get into how do we know? how to stay motivated. Well, I'm not going to get into each one of these. I will speak from my own personal experience, from being a type one, a perfectionist. Like I, like I mentioned before, because I'm a perfectionist and I am so detail-oriented, it can affect my productivity. So some ways that I have found to stay creative is to write down every excuse as to why you are holding yourself from reaching this productive action that you set for yourself. Like, why aren't you doing this to get this result, right? So one of the ways or one of the excuses that come up a lot for all of us is that we say things like, oh, I can't do that. I don't have enough time. Um, I don't know. I'm not sure if I will figure this out. It's just me or I don't have enough money or I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. The excuses just continue and continue and continue. And before you know it, you have a buttload of excuses and no action taken, right? Okay. So what I would like for you to do is for you to write down every excuse and strike it, like strike through it, just scratch it out and come up with a new narrative for it. So if your excuse is, I don't have enough time, for an example, start having a tracker for every minute and seeing for, let's just say, let's not even say every minute, but let's just say, track your time daily and just see where you're spending the bulk of your day. And then ask yourself, does this, this, Is this feasible? Does this serve me in some way? Does it serve my business in any kind of way? If it doesn't serve you, then figure out how you can switch that for something that does serve you. For something that does help your business push the needle forward. So if you're tracking your time and you're seeing that you're spending a whole bunch of time on social media, or you're spending a whole bunch of time watching Netflix, or you're spending a whole bunch of time just gossiping over the phone with friends, ask yourself, is this something that works for you? Is it feasible? Does it help your business? If not, then guess what? Take that out and replace it with something that does. If it's not feasible, then I want you to scratch out, I can't, and replace it with, I won't. By doing this, you're being honest with yourself and you're holding yourself accountable. Remember, as entrepreneurs, it is tough to stay motivated and stay on top of of tasks because you don't have someone over you to hold you accountable for fulfilling these tasks. Now you're completely on your own And you're holding yourself accountable for these tasks. So you assign a timeline, you assign, uh, let's say, a performance that you expect, whatever that case may be. So now that we got through that, let's also talk about how sometimes we can set unreasonable expectations of ourselves. And sometimes that can stop us. Growing. So, one of the things that I notice about myself when I set goals, sometimes I just write what the main objective of that goal is. I don't write a timeline. Remember, goals are supposed to be measurable, they're supposed to be uh, feasible, they're supposed to be obtainable. That is what a good goal is. But for some of us, these goals actually make us more depressed and keep us from moving forward. For example, when I was in school, I said that I was going to get my master's degree. And after I got my master's degree, I was going to double my income. Now, let's go over the context of it. When I said I was going for my master's degree, I was working full time and I was a single mom. I actually worked two side jobs. I actually, I still teach Zumba, but now I'm just a sub. Before I was training every week, at least two, three, four days sometimes. And I would sell uh, Mary Kay products. Which I hated, by the way. I'm not a salesperson. I don't even know why I thought that I could be a good salesperson. But I, anyway, those were the things that I did to stay afloat. And at the same time, I was also attending school. I would attend school nighttime and I would do it online. It took me eight years to get my master's degree. So eight years of staying up at night, of working through lunches. Granted, I can only take maybe two classes a year, but when I took those classes, it was grueling. But I stood with it. And I almost didn't graduate on time because I wanted to also obtain a certification in finance. And the last couple of classes that I needed, they didn't offer at night, And I don't like to do finance online. I'm the type of person that for math stuff, I need to be in the classroom to do. I need a teacher. I need to ask questions. I need to actually have a person there. I can't do it online. I can do other things online, but not math. So I decided to move forward anyway and just get my master's degree in business administration and forget about the certification in finance. And voila, I graduated. If I would have set a timeline, I may have either, one, not obtained my goal, or two, I would have been so hard on myself about it like I would have reached burnout. And probably not obtain my goal anyway. But I did exactly as what my goal said. So I obtained my master's degree. And yes, I doubled my income within a year. I went for a new position. And I was I was at the financial goal that I set for myself. Another way that it can help you stay accountable is that instead of just setting a goal, why don't you create systems? So systems to reach this task or level or growth or moving the needle in your actual business. So if you want to put up a course for an example, start setting systems for this course. Forget about setting the date, forget about setting the goal of how many people you just set systems to fulfill putting out this course Uh, a great book that I highly recommend that would actually tell you more about these small habit changes and can help you tremendously is atomic habits by James clear Uh, yeah this is not he is not a sponsor but if you do see him, tell him that you heard it here. <laughs> <laughs> so make sure you get that if you want a new read that'll help you stay productive, uh, break some bad habits, and form some new good ones. So. Now that we talked about that, I also want to say as a perfectionist, especially as an entrepreneur, I think it'll help you tremendously if you can surround yourself with a group of friends or other entrepreneurs that can help you stay accountable and you can help them as well. Having that buddy system where you check on each other and you push each other, you support one another, and you hold yourselves accountable can definitely help help you reach all of those major goals that you set for yourself. And I want you to remember this. If you don't remember anything else from this podcast, it's that you are the one that need to believe and be confident in your abilities before anyone else notices. It's not you waiting for somebody to affirm your abilities. You have to own that belief. You don't need the evidence. You have to be confident about your abilities. It's only when you are confident in yourself, you are confident in your results, and you're confident in what you have to offer that others will notice you. Remember, what you put out, the energy you put out is the energy that you get back. So hopefully This was very informative and you've gained a lot from this episode. I know this was a mouthful. It was a lot to take down. Uh, Please revisit the show notes if you want to revisit some of this and you want to take some notes for yourself. And I will see you in the next episode. Until next time, guys. That was a wrap for today thank you so much for listening to I mean can we discuss don't forget to subscribe follow us if you want to see what we're up to what projects we're up to and enjoy the rest of your day night wherever you might be I was your host Ashra Ferguson signing off